celebrating classics and creating new ones. Only on the Music Vibes Podcast. Now, here's your host, DC Hendrix. Welcome in. This is the Music Vibes Podcast. I am your host, DC Hendrix. Be sure to follow us on all social media platforms. I'm at DC Hendrix. Search the podcast at Music Vibes Podcast, and you will find us. We are continuing our Album of the Decade series here on the Music Vibes Podcast. Last week, we did the 70s. This week, we do the 80s. I'm back with two more guests this week as well. Some more friends from the music journalism world. I got Matt Wake from AL.com, Rolling Stone, Billboard. He's going to join us to talk his favorite albums of the 80s. And I'm also going to be joined by a great friend of mine, Annie Zaleski, who's been on this podcast a couple of times before. She came on to talk Gwen Stefani. She came on for Rock and Roll Hall of Fame talk. She's coming on again to talk 80s. And she has a fantastic list. I think I know a couple of hers that are going to be on her rankings because she's been tweeting a lot about 80s music lately. So I might have a good idea on who she has. But Matt Wake, Annie Zaleski, going to be joining us to help us dig into the 80s and the greatest albums of the decade. 1980s albums of the decade. for joining us here on the Music Vibes podcast to, uh, you know, dig into our series as we have reached the 1980s and talking the greatest albums of the decade. And now when we talk about our personal favorites is what we've been doing. I've been joined by some of my favorite music journalists from around the world, and we've been ranking our personal favorite albums. So we continue that this week with the 80s. So we got the fantastic Matt Wake, who's joining us as well. And we also have Annie Zaleski, one of my personal favorites. Right on. Thanks for having me. <laughs> hey, DC. How's it going? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, Matt. How you doing? Not bad. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to do some 80s albums today, huh? 
personal favorite albums, but in terms of songs, when I mentioned the 1980s and songs obviously may not be in the same category as albums, obviously there may be some favorite songs from those albums, obviously, but there are obviously some that resonate that may not be on great albums. When I say songs of the 80s, what are some songs that come to your mind first? You know, I think of like Madonna, Material Girl. I think of I think of Prince. Purple Rain. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, when I think of 80s singles, I think of the blockbuster superstar singles, uh, just because there were so many. I mean, you could even think of like U2, mm-hmm. you know, Sunday Bloody Sunday, and you know, all of their monster singles from the Joshua Tree. Uh, you know, and even stuff like Guns N' Roses and Bon Jovi. I mean, they're just, I feel like all the singles in the 80s were just bigger. They were just, they hit harder, and they were just sort of produced, and it was just larger than life. If I think of my favorite songs from the 80s that aren't on this list, it would be something like Panama from Van Halen. Mm-hmm. It would be something like uh, uh, Beat It from Michael Jackson. It would be something like, um, I like the early Madonna singles like right. uh, Holiday and Lucky Star um, that are a little more stripped down uh, than her later work. Uh, I like, I would say, Gosh, you got to put like um, it, it, like a random ACDC song, like <laughs> Shake Your Foundation. Um, I would say something like Lick It Up by Kiss. There we go. There we uh, go. Uh, there we go. You know, I'm trying to save some things that are going to be That's up right. my uh, That's right. you know, so, go-to so albums. Just, so let's get into our rankings. Top 10 albums, favorite albums from the 1980s. So obviously ours are different. So I'll let you start things off with your number 10 and then we'll alternate. Well, you go, then I'll go. So let's start with your number 10, Matt, your number 10 favorite album of the 1980s. Um, kind of a little bit of, uh, I guess maybe something that gets lost in the mix now, but was a big deal, uh, for kind of underground kids in the, late to mid-80s, an album by James Addiction called Nothing Shocking, Mm. which was their second album, but their first studio album. They put out a live album first. But um, it it was such a different take on uh, guitar music for the time. Um, It was this combination of, you could tell they liked Led Zeppelin, but they also liked The Cure. Mm -hmm. They uh, liked... Van Halen, but they also liked Bauhaus. Um, it was just this weird, trippy, but it rocked. Mm-hmm. And they still had hooks, like on Jane Says and uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that would be my number 10. Oh, I love it. I love it. Nothing shocking back from 1988. I love that one at number 10. That one also almost cracked my list. Good stuff there, Matt. And so my number 10, I kind of went the same route. You mentioned the cure and this band is kind of similar to them. And this was my introduction to this band. Um, I was watching this movie and this is why it's stuff like this, why it's our personal favorite. You know, you never know where you heard these songs, where you learned them from. And uh, I was watching this movie, 500 days of summer. And it's with uh, Jordan Gordon Levitt's Joseph Gordon Levitt's and uh, Zoe Deschanel. It's a uh, rom-com. And in the song, in the movie is a couple songs from the Smiths. And I honestly, before watching this movie had never heard of the Smiths, just being honest with you. Um, this was, this movie was back in like 2000. So like I was 10 years old. I didn't know, I didn't know who the Smiths were. Um, so I'm listening to these songs. I'm like, man, who is this? I like this. It's, it's like dark, but different. 
And I love the guy's voice. So I'm looking him up and I see, you know, Morrissey's the lead singer, Johnny Marr on the guitar. It's like an all-star band. And you have the Smiths with The Queen is Dead in 1986 is my number 10 and i chose it and it was their third studio album by english rock band and i chose it for that reason it has my favorite song on it not to mention there was some underrated cuts because i got the vinyl um and obviously there is a light that never goes out is the big song at least in my opinion also have the boy with the thorn on his side you also have some girls are bigger than others so some really underrated cuts big mouth strikes again very underrated cuts matt and i didn't i wouldn't have listened to those if i didn't listen to the album and this album made me a, a fan of the Smiths. so at number 10 i have the smiths with the queen is dead and my number 10 actually it's funny we didn't plan this but my number 10 is depeche mode um, black celebration and this is also kind of an out, out there pick, you know, because it came, you know, it's their fifth album. And they, you know, they were, it's, it's not necessarily, they started off pretty early kind of, you know, synth pop. And it really got kind of lush, you know, rock and roll and electronic music. But I just love this record just because of the songs on it. I mean, there's a title track. You have a question of time, a question of lust. Mm-hmm. It's just, a, I think there's a solid collection of songwriting um, before, basically, they really kind of, you know, went to another level in the 90s. Fantastic choice. Fantastic choice. 1986. Uh, I love the one. I love Fly on the Windscreen. Uh, I also love Sometimes. So, yeah, absolutely great album and probably why nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall, Depeche Mode. Great pick, Annie. Great pick. And I love that we both went different. As you mentioned, we did not plan to start off different. That was that was definitely because we maybe we're just different. We have different <laughs> different music tastes than the normal person. But yeah, I love that pick at number ten. That's an awesome pick, and I love the different ways people can get uh, into bands or into an album that gets them into a band. That's a very cool personal story. Uh, number nine, I'm going to go uh, "Screaming for Vengeance" from Judas Priest. Uh, Ooh. Priest is along. You know, with uh, Iron Maiden, this kind of uh, second way. Obviously, Sabbath started heavy metal, but uh, like Priest and Maiden are also two bands that, you know, had a long, they really helped set the template. Uh, they really have stood the test of time. Screaming for Vengeance. It's one of those albums that I just put on a side on the turntable, <laughs> and uh, it, it just flows so well. It's uh, sounds killer. Um, the opening kind of salvo, one-two punch with the Hellion and Electric Eye. Yes. Um, it's it's powerful, but it's you know the song writing is very good. Uh, Rob Halford is a madman uh, on the vocals, the grooves and the guitars, and um, so uh, that's that's an album I love. Screaming for Vengeance. I love it. Great stuff. You you mentioned, hey, 1980s, you think of metal, and this definitely, Screaming for a Vengeance, definitely does that. 1982 release, and obviously has the big hit. You didn't even mention this one. That's That just shows how big this album was and how great it was. The big hit you didn't even mention, 
you've got another thing coming uh the big hit and um, <laughs> rob rob halford actually did an interview with him a few uh like a month ago i want to say when they wow. were when they were first nominated or, or at least nominated for the induction the rock and roll hall of fame don't get me started on that so i'm gonna quickly exit that conversation that they should be in conversation for another day but yeah absolutely judas priest screaming for a vengeance i love that one matt love it at number nine so my number nine I went completely different genre. So I had to mix it up a little bit, try to get a little bit of variety because there's so many different, not only genres in the eighties, but there's so many different albums to like. And I had to make sure this album got on there. So released February 4th of 1986, you had the third studio album by American recording artist Janet Jackson by A&M Records. This is my personal favorite Janet Jackson album ever. And for a lot of people, this was their introduction to her. This was her big, you know, step into the fame, so to speak. But, you know, big hits on the Control album, which is my number nine album for personal favorite, Control. And big hits, obviously, Control. Uh, when I Think of You, Let's Wait a While, uh, What you what Have You Done For Me Lately, uh, just big hits all the way through. This was probably Janet Jackson's most complete album she's ever released in her career. And shout out to her for getting in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last year and w- uh, well deserved for Janet Jackson. So this album just resonates with me so much because this was my introduction to Janet Jackson as a singer. I watched, you know, TV shows with her, with Good Times, and obviously we knew of her brother, fam- very famous brother, Michael Jackson. And this was my introduction to her. I love this album, Control. That's a great pick. I, you know, it's it's interesting you pick that one over Rhythm Nation because mm-hmm. I feel like you know I I waffled you know both, <laughs> but I think you can't go wrong with either honestly because you're right. I mean, just both of those records are so solid and just established her as such a different kind of pop icon. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> so my number nine actually I went with the Go Go's Beauty and the Beat. Um, I am a big big Go Go's fan, and this was their debut album, and it went to number one. It was a, a huge success. And it just really established them, you know, five women, you know, writing their own songs, playing their own instruments, just being in kind of a new wave. And they had, there were some surf punk influences, some rock influences, girl group. It's just a really fantastic songwriting, songwriting-wise, just a really solid, solid record. Just fun record. You know, it's warm. <laughs> Put it on, open the, your car windows, and that's it. So that's one of my favorites. Um, so eight... Uh... I'm going to get a little more into R&B myself with uh, Dirty Mind by Prince. Ooh. And obviously Purple Rain is a masterwork, and uh, Sign of the Times is kind of like Prince's Exile on Main Street. Mm. But, like, um, I love Dirty Mind because, you know, what people don't realize about people like Prince or like Ozzy Osbourne is, like, they were subversive at the time, you know. There were all these, it was pre-internet, so you had all these crazy rumors about them. They pushed the envelope, you know, this was 1980, and I can tell you uh, the world was much more conservative in the mainstream than it is now. And uh, Prince was, he was sexy, he was talented. Um, And, I mean, uh, everything from, like, and this was the era of when you had these songs like um, on like Head on this album where like mm-hmm. you couldn't play in front of your mom. Like, <laughs> but I loved that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, but like Dirty Mind, Uptown, Party Up. I mean, this is a party record and I love Prince uh, and I love Dirty Mind. 
Good stuff. 1980 just cracks the list and just started the decade. Yeah, good stuff there, Matt. Obviously, I love Prince as well. That was a definitely a shorter one for Prince. Usually his albums are very long, and this one was definitely short, straight for the point. But that is definitely an underrated one. You know, everyone talks uh, Purple Rain in 1999 and, you know, even self-titled Prince, which was 79. It wasn't 80s. But, um, you know, everyone talks those albums. People seem to forget Dirty Minds. So I'm really glad that you included that one as your number eight. So my number eight i'm going to something you definitely you're more familiar with now august 25th 1988 this album was released the fourth studio album by american heavy metal band metallica now this mm-hmm. was the first metallica album to feature bassist jason newstead and following obviously following the death of cliff burton in 1986 rest in peace so this album by metallica is called and justice for all and i believe uh, I want to I want to mention this because I think a couple months ago I finally grabbed this record from the record store and I tweeted a video of me listening to it and I think I tagged you in it and was like I think Matt's gonna like this so um, this Metallica album for me this was my honestly uh, a buddy of mine I'm gonna give him a quick shout out I guess uh, my buddy Jake who I grew up with um, was a big Metallica fan and I necessarily wasn't huge with metal um, obviously the big album that came before this master of puppets which a lot of people will probably have on their list um listen to that one first i was like nah man it's just not for me but injustice for all had a little bit of some slower cuts on there a little bit and it had one which is a slower cut and i that pretty much made me a fan of metallica i was like okay this is a little bit different um and i like one obviously this also has blacken uh, one of my personal favorites and justice for all um and then obviously on side two you even have harvest of sorrow um, and then you have the Freight Ends of Sanity, both sides, absolutely phenomenal. James on the vocals couldn't be beat at this time um, with this album and Justice for All. Had to give Metallica some love with this album, one of my personal favorites, and Justice for All at number eight. Another excellent record. They did, that just really put them on the map in terms of just being, you know, that just put them to another level. They were already big, and everyone was like, what is that? So, A+. <laughs> So my number eight, actually, I went with, um, very similar, I went with Rush's Moving Pictures. I have to have a Rush record. And I kind of agonized because I really like Rush in the 80s. They're kind of polarizing to some people because they really used a lot of keyboards. But Moving Pictures, I think, is just a kind of a really, kind of a pivotal album for them because it really, they, you know, Tom Sawyer's on this record, Red Barchetta, YYZ, Limelight. I mean, that's just the first side. You know, so the songs were there, and it, they just kind of bridged, you know, 70s rock and 80s rock just perfectly with this record. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, I was beating myself up when I made this list and didn't have a Rush record, and Moving Pictures was definitely the one that I was contemplating. Tom Sawyer, Limelight, uh, Witch Hunt. Oh, I love this record. And we, as we've mentioned before, we prefer to them as records on here, front and back. That's what we do on here. So I got this one at home and actually played it in preparation for this podcast a couple of days ago. So I'm glad you nailed it, Annie. So, yeah, I'm actually going to, I promise I'm not just copying your style here, but um, (laughs) I've got Kill 'Em All, the debut Metallica uh, full length, Um, just brutal savage um and you know a lot of us you know i i got turned on to that album a few albums in maybe even after uh injustice came out Mm -hmm. you know uh but it's just so savage it is so brutal 
1983 mm-hmm. uh, was just such a prime era for metal, and they just took the metal knob and t- turned it all the way to the right. And so even things, I've got another one of my favorites from that same year, but, I mean, you know, Matt Metallica was just <laughs> savage. And if you love metal, the you know, the songs are still there. It had this punk urgency, mm-hmm. but it was this blistering level, but accessible because, you know, like, you know, James isn't, Hetfield isn't Freddie Mercury or anything, but those, his vocals are very effective. Um, and, you know, they were great to kill them all, riding around in your friend's Cutlass Supreme, <laughs> you know, chugging beers and, you know, being a metalhead. But uh, I, I love that album. All right. So, yeah, that one I was include Seek and Destroy, uh, The Four Horsemen. Yep. So, yeah, absolutely. Great pick there, Matt. Definitely a big introduction to metal. And obviously, if you're listening to this and haven't heard these albums, do so immediately. Um, These are all these are all legendary albums. So at number seven, I definitely switch gears here. Um, We just got done talking metal. So I'm going to slow it down way down. And we're going to talk about a debut studio album by Norwegian New Wave band. Aha. And Ooh. this is de- this is definitely a different one, all right? So that's why I chose this one. Um, 1985, June 1st, 1985, this album was released. And um, obviously, I had already heard the big song, Take On Me. Right, that's their big song. That's one everyone knows. Okay. Now, this album probably would not have cracked my top 10 a year ago because I had not, honestly speaking, I have not heard this album in its entirety until a year ago. So I got this vinyl record and I got it, you know, you know how record stores are used copies, few bucks here and there. Uh-huh. So I grabbed this album. I was like, you know what? It's only a few bucks, like 10 bucks. I grabbed it out of the cheap bin and I was like, you know what? I want to hear more of them. Like, I love Take On Me. So I yeah. I gotta like some more, right? So I got this album, Matt. I love this album. I don't know. I don't understand why nobody else is like mentions Aha that much when we talk eighties. Like this album, I know they're different and Norwegian, so that you know their voice sounds a little bit different. But I mean, first side, the whole entire first side of this record is incredible. Take On Me, Train of Thought, Hunting High and Low, which is the title of the album, which is released. And then on side two, you have The Sun Always Shines on TV. Uh, You also have Love Is Reason, another big hit that they had. So, like, this album was incredible. So, like, this album right here made me an even bigger fan of AHA. And they, to me, because honestly, at first, I thought they were a one-hit wonder. Like, I did. I was, like, I was talking with friends, and I'm like, they're a one-hit wonder. Take On Me is all I know. So, this album let me dig a little bit deeper and made me see there's a little bit more to aha. So at number seven, I have aha with hunting high and low. I'm very impressed that that's a band that I think a lot of people wouldn't think to listen to the whole record because take on me is such a big single, mm-hmm. but like, absolutely. They are a great band. Mine. I actually went, I, I probably went pretty, you know, mainstream, I guess for the first one is like <laughs> now my uh, number seven is Prince 1999. And, I mean, you can't go wrong with any of Prince's 80s records, honestly. But I went with 1999 because not only, you know, you have the title track and you have Little Red Corvette, but just some of the other songs on there like Automatic and Let's Pretend We're Married and Delirious. I just love the sound of this record, you know, just the stuff that maybe you don't know, you know, quite as well. So I had to go with 1999. 
Yeah, there's uh, obviously you could take your pick with Prince in the 80s. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Definitely be hearing from me later, possibly on Prince. Um, so, yeah, you absolutely nailed it. 1999 was one. Um, obviously, everyone talks a lot about the other album that came out in the 80s with Prince. But 1999, can't forget about that one either. I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, that one. I mean, you obviously have self-titled on that uh, little red Corvette, as you mentioned. Great hits all the way through. For six for me, a little different than AHA, mm-hmm. uh, Ace of Spades by Motorhead. Ooh, um, got that one. Mm. You know, everybody knows the title track, which is just an all-time yeah. uh, metal, hard rock um, song. And it, But you could play that song on, like, acoustic slide guitar, and it would sound cool, or, like, uh, a country version or whatever. Or even, like, do a hip-hop version of it, probably. The, oh. the lyrics are just cool, cool, cool. But the thing is, this album has so many good songs, and Lemmy has such a gritty, charismatic uh, presence on the mic and but songs like "We Are the Road Crew" mm-hmm. about it's from the perspective of like a roadie, and it's just so cool. They should make a movie or TV show based on this song. Um, I love uh, you know, "Love Me Like a Reptile." Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> I mean, it's such a great title, but the song's great too. "Shoot You in the Back." It's just that gunslinger mm-hmm. attitude that you pick. Picture Lenny rolling out of bed with. Uh, in the morning, fast and loose. I mean, mm-hmm. that's an anthem for a lot of those bands. Like, uh, it's easy to see how that resonated in people like Guns N' Roses, that lifestyle kind of song. But so, yeah, Ace of Spades. I love it. Yeah, even another underrated one, Bite the Bullet on that one. I love that one too. Yeah. So, you nailed it. Ace of Spades by Motorhead, 1980. You have that one at number six. So at number six, I went, I know this album is very big, and a lot of people can be like, why isn't this higher on your list? Okay, like, it's personal favorites, so maybe it's not a bigger personal favorite of mine than it is yours. So this album was very big and very successful uh, in the 80s, uh, released June 4th, 1984. And, I, 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 you know, this album obviously went on, um, it charted, you know, number one, on the U.S. Billboard 200, um, number one on there. So, you know, certified platinum, 15 times platinum in the United States and three times platinum in the U.K. This album, obviously very successful. 17th studio album by American rock singer, songwriter Bruce Springsteen, born in the mm. USA. Now, yeah. I have mentioned on this podcast before, and if people are listening, our normal listeners like, I, didn't, I thought you didn't like Bruce Springsteen. Well, I'm still not the biggest fan of Bruce Springsteen, but this album right here definitely made me at least respect him a lot more of why he is so highly regarded in the music industry. Now, obviously, the big hit Born in the USA that you hear every year for Fourth of July, wherever you're partying at, you probably hear that. Glory Day is another big one. Cover me. But my personal favorite on this album, Dancing in the Dark. That is my cut, Matt. I love it. Both sides of this record I absolutely love. And I chose this record and put it kind of high because, you know, it's it really made me have a whole new respect for Bruce. Before this, I really thought he was overrated. 
I really did. I was like, he has got to yeah. be the most overrated artist I've ever heard. But this album right here, I love it. I love it. And I started to see and understand why people love Bruce so much. So at number six, I have Bruce Springsteen with Born in the USA. I mean, you can't go wrong. I mean, he was just, you know, you forget just, you know, when that record came out, he was just larger than life. You know, he was a stadium, you know, tour. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's, I can't go wrong with that. You have to. That's Cream's 80s to be. <laughs> So mine, I actually went with another superstar as well for, for my number six, and I went with Madonna. Mm. I went with Like a Prayer. When you call my name, it's like a little prayer. I'm down on my knees. I want to take you there. In the midnight hour, I can feel your power. Just like a prayer. You know I'll take you there. I hear your voice. You know, it came out in 1989, so just at the end of the you know, it might not be, you know, it's funny, a lot of people are like, Madonna's not rock, but I think Madonna's rock. Yes. Um, but I love this record. You know, you have Express Yourself on here, you have Like a Prayer, you know, you have Cherish. I mean, it is just like front to back. It's just a fantastic record. Yes, and yes, so, And that's yes. always been my favorite. I think that's one of her most consistent records, just, you know, and just very cohesive and just her richest, kind of deepest record as well. So I have always been a fan. So, like a prayer for me, Team Team Madonna. I love it. I love it. And yes, she's rock. Whoever says, at least at this time, this at this time with like a prayer, she was rock. It, things may have changed really? in the '90s, but the Madonna is rock. We're cracking our top five already. This is crazy. Uh, for number five, cracking the top five now. Um, uh, Ozzy Osbourne's debut gets more love, mm. uh, Blizzard of Oz, but. I prefer Diary of a Madman, personally. You still have it. Randy Rhodes mm-hmm. on the guitar. Uh, I feel like the production's a little better. Okay. Um, I love, you know, Over the Mountain is just a wicked opening song. And, uh, you know, it's got this, you know, like, Ozzy had this kind of period where it is like this, it, it looks cartoonish now, <laughs> but it was these shocking covers at the time. But the music is serious, man. Uh, Flying High Again, what a jam. Like, uh, And you have more complex songs like uh, the title track, mm-hmm. uh, which has this gothic, like um, <laughs> classical influences. Tonight has a pop sensibility. Believer is ominous. Um, I, I love Diary of a Madman. Uh, I, I just have it a little by a uh, bat head above um, uh, Blizzard of Oz. I like the production a little better. Um, but uh, so, yeah, Diary of a Madman from 1981 from Mr. Ozzy Osbourne. See, I like having you on, Matt, because you always give me a homework assignment. I think this is the one. So I've only heard, I've heard Over the Mountain, which starts the album. Yeah. I heard that, yeah. and I've heard You Can't Kill Rock and Roll. And I know both mm-hmm. of those are on there, but I need to hear the other ones. So that's a homework assignment for me this weekend. Diary of a, Diary of a Madman, 1981, you have that one. Cracking your top five at number five. I like it. So sticking in the same genre, fifth studio album by American Heavy Metal Band. Released in September 1st of 1989. Barely cracks the decade. Barely. So, glam metal, hard rock, whichever genre you want to put this in. This is my favorite album from this band. I know a lot of people, 
you know, or have their opinions on them. I know they got the big movie on Netflix that a lot of people my age are finally starting to watch The Dirt. And I think we talked about this band before. I believe I had you on the podcast when we talked about the anniversary for this album. As a matter of fact, Motley Crue, Dr. Feelgood. I got that one at number five. I mean, if anyone heard our podcast before, uh, they know how much I love this album. So I don't know how much I can I need to add to that. You start with Dr. Feelgood, the self-titled. You got Kickstart My Heart, one of the best metal songs ever. Same old situation. Love that. Uh, we talked about the influence of Steven Tyler on this from Aerosmith. So yeah. just all the way through. We've talked about it before. Love this album. Had to crack my top five. I got... Uh, Motley Crue, Doctor Feelgood at number five. That I you forget I like totally forgotten like all of those songs were on that record because <laughs> yeah there's such great singles so good. <laughs> um, so my number five I went with another kind of big act but a kind of a little a weirder corner of their collection so I went uh, Fleetwood Max Tango of the Night. Mm. I love this record and it is extremely it is extremely 80s production you know it's it's very lush. And there's a lot of keyboards and synthesizers, but it has little lies on it. There's everywhere, Seven Wonders. Like, if you've seen Fleetwood Mac in recent years, they still actually play a lot of the songs from it live. And they just sound great. And this record is so influential on modern indie rock, modern pop. Like, it's really kind of a touchstone. Like, Haley Williams uh, with Paramore, they covered um, Everywhere on tour in recent years. Mm. So I just, I just love this record. It's a beautiful record. Absolutely beautiful. And I actually have got to see Fleetwood Mac just last year. Um, obviously not with Lindsey Buckingham. Topic for another day. Um, but yeah, Fleetwood Mac got to see them last year. Love Stevie. Still, I think she did, at least the show I seen, she did everywhere. Did I think they did Little Lies. And I wanna say, Isn't it Midnight? I think they did as yep. well i think that's yeah that's that's on that record so i think she did three of those so i was loving that fantastic pick again Annie. nailing it nailing it lovely with mac i went i i had Fleetwood mac in the 70s podcast as well rumors i mean come on that's definitely nice. that was in my top five so love love me some Fleetwood mac tango in the night you got that one so number four Oof. favorite uh this is a little different, and it's kind of put together from outtakes okay. from past albums. So this is, uh, I mean, you can kind of call this cheating, but uh, <laughs> where would the world be without the Rolling Stones? Tattoo You, uh, Start Me Up, you know, we're, we're all kind of maybe a little, uh, that song's a little played out now a little bit with uh, at all the sporting events and stuff, but what a fun Great song and the Hang Fire uh, kind of uh, punk meets uh, reggae, uh, a beat kind of thing. Uh, you have you know the Keith Richards song, a uh, little T and A, which gives it some classic Keith kind of mm-hmm. blues punk thing. Black Limousine, which is kind of this swinging blues. Neighbors, which kind of ha- has a little vibe from some girls, kind of a new wavy punk thing. Waiting on a friend. 
closes the album. What an amazing, uh, cool, all-time ballad by them. And uh, Heaven is a deep track I like. It's really uh, druggy and kind of uh, spaced-out sounding, but it really transports you, man, without any chemicals. So I would say Tattoo You. I'm glad you had them because I didn't have them on my list. So I'm glad that you definitely had. I honestly forgot about that one. Um, Start me up a uh, big hit. And you, you definitely mentioned it. A couple of them are probably a little bit overplayed in terms, like you said, of sporting events, but I can't believe I forgot that one. 1981 tattoo you by the Rolling Stones. That's why I brought you on again. You got the ones that I don't or forgot. So um, good stuff there. Um, Absolutely. So you have Tattoo You by the Rolling Stones at number four. At number four, uh, we talked about this artist earlier, and I know you went a different route and didn't choose the most popular album. I had to. I had to go this route. I'm sorry. But this album is just too way too incredible for me not to have it. And and my dad will probably smack me if he heard me with his (laughs) rankings and didn't hear this album on my list. He'd probably kill me. So, um Sixth studio album released by American recording artist Prince, released June 25th, 1984. Prince and the Revolution released the soundtrack Purple Rain. absolutely incredible masterpiece if you if you have a rankings of greatest albums ever i'm sure this cracks the list whether it's uh top 20 top 50 top 200 100 whatever list it is i'm sure this album cracks the list at some point um just absolutely incredible when doves cry purple rain um this was my introduction to prince um this is another one that um i grew up listening to a different artist in this era and you'll probably hear from this artist later on in my list as we reach our top three um there's another artist in this era that i listened to a little bit more but this was my introduction to him and i i really started to enjoy him when this album came out so had to go this this route and it was probably you know you could call it the easy route whatever you want to say but i got prince and the revolution with purple rain at number four i could add nothing to that because i completely agree that's Right, just greatness, just all greatness. My number four, then I, I so I, I'm going, to, I'm going in a little bit weirder direction. So it's, um, I went with a U2 album, but I went with October, and this is a record I've always loved. It's one of their kind of weirder albums. It's very dark. It's very introspective. Um, you know, there's, there's a little bit more. You know, early on they were very influenced by Joy Division, so there's kind of a little bit of that moodiness. There, there's a lot of lyrics or like you know lyrics grapple with questions of faith like i just but i just love the record i just think it's a really interesting little kind of snapshot of where they were at the time and they went you know pretty much you know their next record was war and that just helped them blow up but i just love october that's definitely a good pick i like that i like that annie um that's a homework assignment though because i don't think i've heard that entire album um, homework absolutely you have time before the fall but it sounds really good so you yeah, have plenty of time i like it yes i love getting homework assignments nothing better than a music homework assignment either and i don't know if we've ever seen someone who had that combination of singing performing mm-hmm. writing and uh instrumental ability nope like like Prince. I mean, I mean, to me, he's even better than like Paul McCartney. But like, wow. uh, so number three, uh, you know, I, 
cracking the top three love it um so at number three i just got done talking about prince you know and i said i enjoyed a different artist more in this decade in this era and they were kind of going head to head at this time they were kind of they kind of had the same crowd although prince was starting to head the uh even bigger direction and i think we can all agree musically that prince surpassed this artist um at this point but this was released back on April 7th of 1981, fifth album by American musician Rick James. And rest, mm-hmm. in, rest in peace and God rest his soul. But he had this fantastic albums call, album called Street Songs that was yeah. released back in 1981. This definitely, I honestly wanted to have this number one. I am a huge Rick James fan. I know a lot of people my age aren't and probably only know him from the Dave Chappelle skits, but... uh. If you do, you need to watch. You need to listen to more Rick James because that is definitely not all he is. He is he has some great stuff, and Street Songs is definitely one. I mean, one artist got a whole career off of completely ripping off Super Freak. That girl is pretty wild, no. talking about but completely ripped off that entire song and had a whole career based off of it so you got super freak on this album you got ghetto life fire and desire nice duet with the lovely tina marie so he even has a soul ballad on there side one you got give it to me baby high up up cut mr policeman which obviously he did not like the police um so that that's a fun song on side one and then i mean it was all the way through i mean you also have call me up and below the funk past the J on side two as well so rick james this album to me um and you know this just goes down you know a lot of people know the early albums that he did with the bad boys of funk and uh so i really love this album uh this resonates with me a little bit more it's a little bit newer this was unfortunately towards the end of the road so to speak in terms of his music career and the the height of his career um but rick james i have him his album street songs at number three 
Very nice. Very interesting. You know, I, I have to say I've never listened to a lot of Rick James, but I have homework as well. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like I need to really listen to that. Because, yeah, I've never, like, he's one of those artists that has just, like, always been there. And I'm like, I need to, you know, pull up some stuff, uh, <laughs> Apple Music, and just dive in. Right on. <laughs> so my number three um, is R.E.M. R.E.M. is my favorite band of all time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I could pick any of their 80s records. But today, and my list always changes, but today I'm going with Reckoning, which is our second record. And it's kind of this, you know, it's kind of jangly. and There's a little bit of a hint, very small hint of kind of psychedelic garage rock in there. But it's just a really wonderful record. You know, it's about traveling and growing up and, you know, and trying to find your place in the world. And I just love that record. And so that's, that's my number three. So there's two songs on there that I've heard. And I'm going to ask you your personal favorite out of the two. Harbor Coat or Pretty Persuasion? Pretty Persuasion. <laughs> Oh, so I like I, them all. I, I like every song on the record, but Pretty Persuasion, that song, that is such a fantastic song. I agree. I love that song. That answer was just a lot quicker than I was expecting. <laughs> I do love that song, though. That great pick. I love R.E.M. as well. Uh, you nailed it. Definitely early garage rock, grunge sound. And R.E.M. to this day, oh, one of my personal favorites. I can't believe I forgot that one. So number two, um, uh, again, this is not this band's biggest album uh but i just it's so charming to me because i just love that it's garagey sounding the band you can tell has stars in their eyes but there's still nobody uh the sound quality is almost kind of crappy but in a way to me that adds character to it um and now I think this album's getting a little more love after the movie because a lot of the that era's songs are featured in it, or at least more than I think people used to know. But um, Too Fast for Love, Motley Crue. Mm. Um, Livewire, the best thing they ever did. Uh, and they did a lot of best. I, you, you can easily fill up a nice playlist, playlist with Motley Crue best, but... Uh, just savage. It's metal. It's punk. It's glam. It's peroxide. It's satanic. It's like, I don't know, man, not really satanic, but it's dangerous. Um, and, and that's Motley Crue. I mean, mm-hmm. and then you have all these songs like Public Enemy, number one, Come On and Dance, yep. Piece of Your Action, uh, the great uh, title track, um, and the closing number. Uh, on with the show, which ends with one of my favorite Ooh Babies ever by Mr. <laughs> Vince Neil. Um, and uh, a kind of a deep cut I love is a kind of a um, melancholic, kind of mysterious sounding, uh, almost kind of like um, a little, uh, it's, a, it's a different song for them. It's almost country-tinged, uh, merry-go-round. Mm-hmm. Merry-go-round, I should say. It's got kind of an acoustic bass. And it's kind of uh, it's it's so cool. Um, so I I love Too Fast for Love. I got into that album. You know, I think Girls, Girls, Girls was the album that was out when I first got hit to Motley Crue as a kid. Mm-hmm. Love that. And then you start going back, and you're like, oh wow, I love Shot at the Devil. Mm-hmm. You know, I love uh, two songs on Peter <laughs> Payne. Uh, <laughs> But then I, I remember getting to Too Fast for Love and being like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. It's almost like it's it's such a it's almost like a predecessor to like, I don't know, it's 
I love Too Fast for Love. I love that it sounds uh, rough, and but stars in their eyes, feet in the gutter, Too Fast for Love. Oh, that was hilarious, Matt. Um, <laughs> I love two songs off of Theater of Pain. I, I was a little concerned when you said Molly Crew. I was like, please do not do Theater of Pain. I will. Oh, no. I, thought I, I thought I knew you better than that, so I was hoping that wasn't the case. <laughs> I was like, all right, I know Matt. I know he's not doing Theater of Pain. Um, we'll be oh, ni- no. we'll be nice today. Um, there's a couple songs on there, um, and probably the two songs we probably agree on, Smoking in the Boys' Room and Home Sweet Home. Um, yes. Other than that, that's about it you get on that one. But, yeah, um, definitely oh, underrated. Yeah. One definitely underrated one you got there, Matt. Too fast for love, and I'm sure people are like, oh, I never heard that one. Well, go back and check it out. 1981, Too Fast for Love. So, number two, you talked about this band earlier, and you def you chose a different one. You chose the one with Mean Street on it, um, and I love Mean Street. Um, I have to listen to the rest of that one. I've heard a few songs off that one, so another homework assignment. But there's only one album that made me a Van Halen fan, Matt. There's only one. Mm-hmm. There's only one, and this is this is their introduction to me and why I consider them one of one of the greatest rock bands to ever grace this earth, and that's why I'm very 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 enough how excited I am um, to be able to talk about this album now. Mm. 1984. I mean, it goes down. I mean, anyone's list again, like earlier with Purple Rain. This is probably on anyone's list in terms of greatest albums ever. I don't care how many you got. And I, I get to see the lovely David Lee Roth this coming Sunday, by the way. Um, he's opening for Ooh. Kiss. He's opening for Kiss. So um, I'll be able to check that out. So David Lee Roth, obviously the lead singer of Van Halen. Producer Ted Templeman um, was the producer behind this album, But both sides of this album all the way through all the way i mean michael mcdonald was a writer on this album i, I don't think a lot of people know that on our way yeah, that's wild it's like i don't think people even mention that kind of stuff you know behind the scenes but yeah you obviously have eddie van halen on the guitar you got michael anthony on the drums alex alex on the um alex on the drums you got david lee on the vocals so this is just absolutely incredible all the way through. Uh, another album that had a lot of success, number two on the U.S. Billboard 200 and certified diamond in the United States. So absolutely incredible album. Made me a Van Halen fan today. And 1984 by Van Halen is my number two. Very good choice. I cannot, I mean, those records, those songs have really held up. You know, you can't, if you hear Jump, like you can't help but be happy. You know, like it's just, it just elevates your mood. So my number two, I did um, Human League, Dare, mm. and I'm a big Human League fan, and this, this is the record that has Don't You Want Me, you know, their massive, massive hit. Um, but the entire record is kind of like a synth-pop kind of, you know, iconic, kind of really, really influential album. Um, it also has Open Your Heart, Love Action, I Believe in Love, 
Um, there's some darker songs. There's one called Seconds, and there's actually a song called Darkness. But it's just a really consistent record. And like, kind of like, you know, again, like you mentioned before, mm-hmm. a lot of these big synth-pop singles come from albums that are just sort of like, eh, whatever. <laughs> this is a really, really great record through and through from track one to track ten. Absolutely agree. So that I was on, I was expecting that one to be number one. So you, uh, I guess I'm still in the dark on what's number one on your list. So great pick, great pick. So number one, uh, this uh, band, they kind of, you know, it's interesting now, you know, how much they're kind of known for this being this kind of epic, massive band. But in 1987, with Appetite for Destruction, Guns N' Roses was, they sounded like the street movement in West Hollywood now, ear down to it, man. I mean, I loved Motley Crue, and I still do, but them just had more, it was more uh, mad, bad, and dangerous to know than Motley Crue, and I love Motley Crue, but like... Appetite for Destruction, I mean, that entire first side. There are a lot of bands who don't have that good of greatest hits. Mm-hmm. Jungle, it's so easy, just a brutal, yeah. uh, you know, song. Uh, Night Train, mm-hmm. I mean, it's catchy alcoholism. I mean, yeah. uh, Out to Get Me, Paranoia, Mr. Brownstone, Junkie Funk, Paradise mm-hmm. City. I mean, that's that. <laughs> That's one of those out songs, Paradise City, that you're like, wow, this song could have been 30 years old. This yep. could have come yep. out in 70s, whenever, 60s. But yeah, 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 I guess. <laughs> yeah, back then it would have been like 15 years old. But like, um, <laughs> it, 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 the whole thing, I mean, Sweet Child on Mine, I mean, it's like a bad boy ballad that it sounds from the heart but not sappy at a time when metal ballads were... Some of them were getting sappy. Uh, and uh, I mean, uh, Appetite, there's a reason it has sold a bazillion copies. And there's a reason there are so many T-shirts. And there's a reason that Guns N' Roses will play stadiums this summer. And it's largely based on these 12 songs on Appetite for Destruction. Yeah, I uh, I mentioned earlier, and you probably were like wanting to smack me through the phone when I said that that it didn't crack my list. Um, I like I said earlier, you can pretty much pick any 
any song from Guns N' Roses in the 80s. Now, this album, I'm probably going to have to listen to in its entirety at least a couple more times. I've heard it, I think, three times in my lifetime. I've heard this album in its entirety. I do have the vinyl record. Um, and, you know, it does have the big hits. Welcome to the Jungle, like you said, Paradise City, uh, Sweet Child of Mine. There's big hits on there. Um, released back in 1987. You actually nailed it. Um, I, I bet a lot of people would have this album on their list. It's one that I guess hasn't caught on for me yet. That's why I didn't make my top 10, but number one for you, and you like it even more than Motley Crue, which just shocks me a little bit. That shocks <laughs> me. I know you are a big Motley Crue fan, so oh, yeah. that, that is, uh, that's really surprising. So you got Appetite for Destruction, number one. All right, my number one, and as drama-less as this is probably going to be, um, is so obvious. It's like, I had to choose it. I had to choose it. Now, we've, you know... Obviously, it's rough to talk about this artist on podcasts for what, you know, has happened and transpired over the last decade or so. Well, you know what this artist has been accused of. But I am one where I cannot escape the music genius that this guy was, whether whether he was a kid growing up in the 80s, um, even with the band Jackson 5. But his solo career, I'm, I can't escape it. I'm sorry. And in 1982, November 30th, 1982, he released the greatest album in my eyes ever released ever any genre doesn't matter this is the best album in my opinion ever so had to have it at number one and it's my personal favorite ever because the songs that are on it There's just not, a, in my opinion, there's just not a more complete album than this. You got uh, The Girl Is Mine, uh, Paul McCartney. You got that. You got Billie Jean. You got Beat It. You got Want to Be Starting Something, which a lot of people forget that that's even on this album. A lot of people assume yeah. a lot of people assume that's on an earlier album. No, it's on Thriller. Uh, you got Human Nature, PYT, 
You obviously have the self-titled Thriller, which is funny that it took me that long. There's just so many songs on this album. It's an absolute masterpiece. And I just, I don't know how he did it. I really don't. But him and Quincy Jones put together an absolute masterpiece with Thriller. And it made no sense for me not to have it number one. And this is another one. If I didn't have this on my list, my dad would probably killed me and disowned me. (laughs) So Thriller by Michael Jackson is my number one. So my number one actually is, and this is, I am biased, but I firmly believe it is Duran Duran's Rio. And I'm writing a book on this album, so obviously, again, I'm biased. But <laughs> I just think that this record, from the songwriting to the lyrics to basically what it represented. You know, it's, there's synthesizers on there, but it, that is, this is a rock record. You know, you listen to it, Andy Taylor's guitars really were very interesting. And when you combine with Nick Rhodes' keyboards and then John Taylor's bass lines, which were like funk-influenced and disco-influenced, and then just Roger Taylor's drumming, he is just an inventive kind of underrated drummer. I just love this record. You know, this says obviously the title track, Rio, and Hungry Like the Wolf, yeah. Save a Prayer, but even the stuff, you know, the Hold Back the Rain, the stuff you maybe don't know, mm-hmm. just a solid record all the way through. So that is that is actually one of my favorite records of all time, like not it. just the 80s. So a, so a rough a rough estimate, if we were ranking greatest, our favorite albums ever, where would this one be? Top 10? Oh, man, top definitely five. top five. Oh, top Top five. five. Ooh, I like it. I like it. 1982, Duran Duran released Rio, a fantastic record. And you also, you went ahead and teased it. So are you able to tease anything that'll be in the book? Or what's or what, I mean, or when I be pretty out? much kind of covered. You know, I'm talking to band members. I'm getting good stuff, and so I'm I'm very pleased with the what I have so far. And so, okay. um, it'll it'll be good. I'm I'm very happy with where things are going. You're so busy, Annie. I can't keep up with what you're doing. I these know. Days. <laughs> I try so hard, but you are so busy. I admire how busy you are, and I know you did tweet that. Uh, I think you tweeted that last year that you're working on the book. So other than that, though, um, I love your list. By the way, that's why I brought you on. You definitely have kind of a similar interest in music but you always have some different ones and some ones for me to check out and listen to like after this interview's done i'm pu- i'm popping in duran duran rio in the car on the way home i want to hear some of the other tracks that i haven't heard i've heard the singles i want to hear some of the other ones again and maybe because things are different i mean we all get older and you know our taste in music change we like different things i'm gonna give it another try i haven't listened to it in a while quite honestly so I'm going to give it a spin, Annie. So, uh, fantastic list. But before I let you go, um, I'll let you, I'll give you the floor. Anything else other than the book that you're working on right now that you can, that you're allowed to promote? That's a good question. Um, you know, I am working on, um, actually, it's very interesting. I'm working on a, a, a story. There is a, a women's orchestra in Cleveland, mm. where I'm from, um, that has been around since the mid-1930s. So uh, they're celebrating their 85th anniversary, so I'm doing a little profile on them. So it's very cool. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And um, that's something to look forward to. And I, th- I think I mentioned on here that you're from Cleveland before. So, um, yes, absolutely great stuff as always. Love it. Definitely still going to be following your work as always. I check it. I'm on Twitter daily and see. I swear, like every day you have something new that you've done. Either you're tweeting someone else's work, which I love that, too. You're very supportive of other music journalists. And I love that about you as well. You don't just tweet your stuff. You, I think because I think you tweeted. um. I was a great cot. I think he tweeted. Oh yeah, he he wrote a farewell column that was so lovely. 
it was it's hard to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. He's leaving the Chicago Tribune, but he just wrote this wonderful piece. You know, a few funny anecdotes, but just some, you know, yeah. here's why I love my job. And it was just really great. Yeah, and stuff like that is why I like following you and continue to follow your work, Annie. Great stuff. And be sure to say hi to Matt for me today. Uh, keep him out of trouble. Um, but you guys, you guys both do great work. And I appreciate you always coming on. And, of course, for coming on to talk favorite albums of the 80s. Thanks for having me done it and 1980s i think we've done it justice so uh, i cannot bring you on though matt without you know teasing what you have coming ahead and some recent things that you've been working on because as always you've been very busy yeah so uh i'm going to be interviewing former guns and roses uh drummer matt sorum who has the new memoir coming out and it is very uh, entertaining uh, for Billboard. Um, mm. I've got a thing coming out for Guitar um, World on the reclusive former White Lion guitar player um, Cito Brada. Mm. Uh, recently um, interviewed uh, the guitar- the singer for uh, Flash's solo band, Miles Kennedy, who also has a big band called Alter Bridge. He also auditioned for. Uh, when Robert Plant didn't do uh, want to do more Led Zeppelin things after their reunion, sure enough, seven he auditioned to sing with uh, Paige Jones and Jason Bonham. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some of the things that have been in the mix. I love it. I love it. Busy as always, man. I'll be looking forward to your piece coming up with Billboard and much more as always. I really admire your work, man. You work very hard and that's why we have you on the show. Very knowledgeable. You know your shit and that's why we like having you on the show, man. Appreciate you as always. Hey, uh, DC, absolute pleasure. Loved your picks and uh, man, I know you're busy too. Congrats on all you've got going on and uh, look forward to the next uh, music talk jam with you. Thanks so much to Matt Wake and Annie Zaleski for joining us here on the Music Vibes podcast this week to help us dig into our Album of the Decade series. This week we talked 1980s. I absolutely love both their lists. And Annie had a couple in there that I slept on, quite honestly. And one that she mentioned, Like a Prayer by Madonna. So in case you didn't know, Madonna is back in music now. and She just released a brand new album last year called Madam X. And there's actually a song on there I like. Uh, There was a couple on there that really resonated with me. So as always on this podcast, we stay topical to our discussion of the podcast for our Drop the Needle, sponsored by 20 Past 4 and More, located on 2014 Broadway Street here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Madam X by Madonna was released last year, June 14th, 2019. And on this album is a song that I love, and it's called Crave. And it features Sway Lee from hip-hop group Ray Shremmerd. And Sway Lee, you might know him from the big song Sunflower on the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse soundtrack. But I love this song Crave by Madonna and I think showed her versatility from going from rock to pop to even a little bit of hip hop. So let's go ahead and drop the needle on that one. This is Madonna with Sway Lee and her song Crave from her album in 2019, Madam X. Let's drop the needle. from what can harm, far from where it's safe, hope is not too late, rush, rush, rush on you, love, 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 don't you, love you like a fool, put my trust in you. 
Cause you're the one I crave And my cravings get dangerous The feelings never fade I don't think we should play with this Say, come, come, get me straight I don't think we should wait for this Cause you're the one I crave And my cravings get dangerous Travel with DC Hendrix on the Music Vibes Podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify on your mobile device. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.